Father, that power resides in each and every one of us. So, Father, we thank you. We live in divine health, free from sickness and disease and maladies and aches and pains, Father, because the great creator lives on the inside of us. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you all praise and honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. We appreciate his goodness and kindness. And, um, you know, I, lo- I know uh, even long before I was, uh, uh, well, before I knew anything, you know, not that I really know much of anything now, but, um, um, but just having gotten involved in church early on and going to uh, charismatic church, you know, they knew how to pray and uh, believe God and, and allow the presence of, the, of God to come in in their meetings. And even though, you know, I couldn't explain a whole lot of it, but I knew what it was because I'm born again, right? If you're born again, the Spirit of God lives in, on the inside of you and you can know and sense the presence of the Lord. But it was, um, somebody had asked me, well, did you know what that was? And, and uh, I had been saved maybe six months or so. And I said, well, that was well, the Holy Spirit. And they acted really, really um, surprised that I knew that. And I didn't know it because of an intellect or because of intelligence or anything like that. I just knew it because I'm born again. I'm, you know, I'm alive unto God and I know when the presence of God is there. In fact, uh, Romans chapter 10, uh, Romans chapter 8 says that, 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 uh, that he bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Uh, and, and so in other words, that if, well, how do I know that, that uh, you know, I think I know I'm a Christian, but do I have a second opinion? Well, the second opinion is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that says, Yes, you are a child of God. So you have two opinions. You've got your opinion and you've got the second opinion from the Holy Spirit. So he's there to bear witness with you. And, you know, and that's how you know when the word of God is, is correct is the spirit of God is in you. Right. Uh, and that's how you know when you're in the will of God, that the spirit of God is, is bearing witness with you. Uh, and so, you know, those are and all those things are kind of wrapped up together and and. You know, the, uh, I know we have done studies over the years about the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it's really a good study to go through because if you look at the life of the Christian, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian is really a, a big part of our life, right? Yeah. I mean, Jesus is in heaven sitting on the right hand of the Father. The Father, of course, is in heaven sitting under the rainbow. Uh, the Holy Spirit is in us. Uh, and he leads us, he guides us, he heals us, he empowers us. Uh, he grants us revelation. He teaches us. He comforts us. Uh, it, it's such a, a huge ministry that the Holy Spirit has chosen to accept uh, in our lives. Amen. Uh, and, and yet, uh, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who, who, you know, as far as I know, he's a Christian. And I was asking him, you know, does the Holy Spirit talk to you? No. Does the Holy Spirit heal you? No. Does the Holy Spirit do miracles through you or around you? No. You know, and so what's he doing? If he's not doing any of those things, why is he even here, right? Uh, and yet he's doing all of those things if we allow him to do all those things. And that's the thing to me that's the most odd is, you know, people that are sincere Christians, and they are, they're sincere, they love the Lord, they'll go to heaven. Uh, they act like the Holy Spirit's not really doing much in their life and, and doesn't do much in their life and is not required to do much in their life. And yet when I read the word of God, the Holy Spirit should be consuming about 90% of our life and, and everything, you know, to know what to say and know where to go and know how to think and know, you know, uh, how to minister and to know uh, what these things mean. And, and, and then the ministry of the, of the comforter, right? He's the comforter, he's the counselor, he's the helper, he's the advocate, he's the intercessor, he's the strengthener, he's the standby. 
All of those things are wrapped up in the, the Greek word paraclete, which is what Jesus called him. I will send another comforter, but that word comforter is paraclete. And it's a sevenfold ministry. And that's not necessarily the entire ministry of the Holy Spirit because he's also, uh, you know, it says strengthener. But uh, that kind of goes along the lines of Ephesians chapter 3, that he will strengthen us with all might in our inner man. But he's the one who empowers us. We are carriers of the, of the power of, of the Spirit of God. And that power can be transferred between us and other people. And, you know, it can be transferred between you and yourself, right? You ever laid hands on yourself? I've laid on my hands on myself many times, right? Uh, and, and, you know, you just have an unction. Well, you know, sometimes you can just use the authority of the Lord, but sometimes, sometimes you, you uh, have an unction that, well, I need to lay hands on myself. And I've laid hands on myself many times uh, over the years. And, um, um, you know, well, how do you know to do that? Well, the Spirit of God tells you to do that. And I think the, the whole discussion about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it, it makes a lot of the church uncomfortable because there's no laws he can say what he wants to say. He can do what he wants to do. Right? Remember what Jesus told the, even Nicodemus, you know, it's, he's like the wind. Right. Uh, uh, and so um, he can he can tell you to do something, the exact same thing in two different ways. Um, and, and so, uh, well, well, then how do you know? Well, that's the whole point of the Holy Spirit. Right. As we know, we have to train ourselves to know. Amen. Yeah. Uh, and so the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian is really it's really a, a big uh, a big ministry, and um, I don't know really even even now that uh, uh, as much training as we've had from great men and women of old that have taught us these things, if we've really even scratched the full surface uh, uh, surface of what the ministry of the Spirit of God can do in and through us, amen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. We'll get started today. So uh, we are working our way through uh, Lillian B. Yeoman's book, and this is the third book in our, in our series here. Not really a series, but the publishers put it together in a series. Uh, and so uh, really in this book, uh, she just has uh, put together just really uh, a collection of thoughts related to healing uh, and the work of the ministry in the Holy Spirit. So um, this particular book, it's not so much uh, a uh, theme all the way through. It's more of uh, almost like a collection of essays of things that she's put together that's been, uh, I, I believe, are beneficial to the church. Amen. Uh, but if you're looking for a cohesive overall uh, direction, you know, at least in this book, there doesn't seem to be one, uh, which is fine because, you know, if you, um, you go to church every Sunday, you may hear a different message, right? Uh, and that doesn't mean that it's wrong, right? Uh, and so, so uh, she is using the story of, G- of Peter walking on the water kind of as, as the foundation for this message here. So let's read in Matthew chapter 14. We'll just read the story here and then we'll, uh, we'll get some insight about... Um, Uh, about this as it relates to healing amen Uh, and so it says in verse 22 and straightway jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side which he while he sent the multitudes away Uh, so you know this kind of goes along with uh, mark chapter 4 about when jesus said let's go to the other side but he was in the boat and that story and this one he said uh, he said you're going to the other side i'm not going with you but you're going to the other side so if Jesus said you're going to the other side, what should your expectation be? We're going to the other side, right? Uh, well, well, what would stop that from happening? Well, nothing would stop that. If Jesus said you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. Amen. Uh, and, and, uh, and of course, later on, he says, uh, why did you doubt? Of course, he's talking about that to Peter, but it really goes for the, all the disciples, right? Uh, and so it says it in verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, 
And this is, of course, this is right after he fed the 5,000. Uh, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Uh, I, I like that. It was contrary, right? You ever known people that are contrary? Uh, I've known people that are contrary. Uh, and he says, in the fourth watch of the night, uh, Jesus uh, went unto them uh, walking on the sea. So the fourth watch of the night is, uh, let's see, the first watch is at 9 p.m., right? Or maybe it's at 6 p.m., 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3 a.m. Uh, so this is uh, 12 to 3 a.m. So, um, so midnight to 3 a.m. So in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Uh, and, you know, you think about that, Jesus walking on the sea. You know, technically, that's not really possible, right? Uh, and and why, why did he do that? Well, the one thing that's nice about the ministry of the Lord Jesus is you, you can assume, and it's not really an assumption, you can know because uh, we know who Jesus is and the ministry he led on the earth, that whatever he did, he did it by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Because he said in John chapter 5, I can't of my own self do nothing. Uh, whatever he did, he did it by the direction of the Holy Spirit. So he's walking on water by the direction of the Holy Spirit. So did the devil say, well, if you were a Christian, you can walk on water? You know, if you're really spiritual, you can walk on water. Was he, was he driven to walk on water to prove something? No, he did it by the direction of the Holy Spirit. So why did, he, why did the Holy Spirit have him walk on water? Because he could have walked around, right? I mean, he could have just walked on the shoreline around there. Or he could have waited for them to come back. Or he got a, could have got another boat. You know, they're, they're, it, it was really unnecessary for Jesus to do this, except that the Holy Spirit wanted him to do this. Amen. And so, uh, you know, this is where... Uh, this, this topic of Jesus walking on water, you know, I personally don't know of anybody in history that have walked on water. I did know one one group of people that did, but uh, later on it came out that maybe most of those stories were made up. So, <laughs> uh, why people, you know, I never have understood why people just make up a story. It's like, well, you know, people can validate whether that's true or not, right? I mean, if it's some small thing, maybe not, but if it's like walking on water and you're telling that 20 people did, you think, you don't think that one person in the group is going to say, well, you know, we really didn't do that. It's kind of like the whole, uh, the whole moon landing, right? People say that, that the moon landing was a fake. And you're, you're telling me the hundreds of thousands of engineers and scientists and physicists that worked on all of us, that all of them were really fooled and lied to, and nobody said, you know, this math doesn't work. Because it's all math, right? It's literally all math, right? Uh, and, and surely somebody would have said, you know, there's no way this math works, you know. And yet people go, oh, it was all fake. Yeah, and uh, I remember I was talking to, it was a college student, you know, and he said, well, you know, the, the moon landing was a fake. And I thought he was joking. And I, without even thinking, I said, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, you know. I wasn't trying to insult him, but it was the stupidest thing I've ever heard because, like, you know, same kind of flat earth society, right? People believe in, uh, but, but the point, point of this is, I not, don't know anybody that's ever walked on water, but what if Jesus wanted us to walk on water? You know, there, there's some people in a church that would say, well, you know, if it's something that nobody's ever done before, we shouldn't be doing that. Right. Because if it's not in the Bible, if it, the miracle that that we think we should be doing is not in the Bible, we shouldn't be doing it. And to me, that's really constraining because nobody walked on water till Jesus walked on water. So if Jesus had that attitude, Jesus would have never walked on water. Right. Uh, and so, you know, we've got to be careful. The, the, the key that we've got to do is whatever we do, we've got to make sure that we are always giving glory to God. And, and that, to me, is a really easy litmus test to find out if what we're doing is God or not. Uh, because miracles, whether it's a miracle or not, is not the determining factor because we know that the Bible says that 
the devil can even do lying signs and wonders, right? He can do miracles to, up to a point. He can do some, some particular miracles. At least from our perspective, they look like a miracle, right? They may not really be a, as supernatural as what God can do. Uh, but he can do some things that would uh, at least uh, give us the impression that it's a miraculous event. And uh, so then how do you know? Well, the easy way to test is who's getting the glory, right? Uh, is the event getting the glory? Is the person yielding to that miracle getting the glory? Is a, 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 a ministry or a movement getting the glory? Or is Jesus getting the glory? Uh, because the devil will never give glory to, to Jesus at all, right? And so there's no way. Uh, so, uh, and besides that, we also have the witness of the Spirit in our own hearts, amen? Uh, you know, uh, those, those stories we've told about uh, the lady with the feathers coming out of her sleeves and the lady with the gold coming out of her, out of her hair. Um, you know, those are, uh, you look back, well, those are foolish things. Uh, but much of the church was caught up in those things. Our brother Randy tells the stories a lot that he, when he saw those things, he just knew in his heart, well, that ain't right. And he called up brother Hagin and said, you know, you know, the thing is, brother Hagin was around at the time. And he, brother Hagin had been in the ministry since dirt. By that time, right, he'd been in ministry like 60, 70 years. You'd think you'd call him. Right. I mean, you know, I know we all have the Holy Spirit, but he's been walking this path for 70 years. Right. You think you'd call him and say, Brother Hagin, just your opinion. You know, what do you think about this situation? Right. This seems to be unusual. Any thoughts about it? I mean, it just seemed like that'd be a safe thing to do. Right. I mean, if something happened and uh, and uh, in fact, when that Bible thing came through Dayton, you know, I, I talked to Brother Randy about, hey, do you know anything about this? Right. Uh, and so. Uh, they didn't do that, though. They, but um, anyway, so the, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with you. See, just because somebody else is doing something, the Holy Spirit can speak to you. You know, well, I'm no minister, but you have the Holy Spirit in you. Amen. See, we live in the New Testament, which is great because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you don't have to. Well, the, the minister is doing it. Must, it must be so. You don't have to yield to the minister. You don't have to accept anything that I'm saying from this pulpit. You only have to accept anything I'm saying from this pulpit if the spirit in you bears witness with it. Amen. And that's and that's good. That's safe for you. Amen. Too many times we're taught, even in the church, even in, in the New Testament ter- church, that if I say it, you have to accept it. Uh, that is not true at all. Right. If I say it, you have to confirm it. it's in the word. And if it is, then you do have to accept it. Right. Or you should accept it. Even that you still don't have to. But you should if it's in the word. And so. So Jesus walked on water. Nobody else had walked on water before Jesus, uh, as far as I know. I know an axe had floated on water in the Old Testament. But as far as a person walking on water, was anybody float, uh, walk on water in the Old Testament? You know, I don't think so, right? Uh, but uh, uh, an axe head, which is typically not something that happens. Uh, and so, so Jesus was walking on, on the sea in, in verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Uh, and of course... You know, at this point, they're not born again, right? At this point, they don't have the name of Jesus. Uh, and, and so they thought what they saw was a spirit being, right? Not Jesus, not an angel, but some kind of spirit being that, that gave them fear. Uh, and how many times did an angel or the spirit of God or somebody show up to somebody in their presence? And what's the first thing they would often say to the, to the people? Fear not. fear not, right? Why? Because we're a bunch of fraidy cats, right? Uh, we, we, something happens and we all break nervous and... Get, get afraid, and uh, in fact, uh, that's what, exactly what Jesus did here, right? He said, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Uh, and so he was kind to do that, right? He, he, he was kind to recognize that oftentimes we are fearful people, and he didn't berate them for this uh, particular uh, really lack of faith in this, in this moment, 
because number one, they're not born again. They don't have the name of Jesus, you know. Uh, and so it's probably it's probably reasonable for them to be in some level of fear at this point in time of history. Uh, but later on, uh, you know, it, it uh, uh, we have the right as uh, children of the Most High God nowadays to never be in fear again, right? Uh, and there's a story that uh, um, uh, that they tell us about uh, Lester Sumrall that um, uh, I guess now this was uh, um, this one was Smith Wigglesworth. So Smith Wigglesworth, uh, of course, they're nearly clones anyway. But Smith Wigglesworth uh, woke up. And the devil was sitting in his in his bedroom there. Uh, and and he, of course, you know, how many people say they've seen the devil? It, probably a lot more than actually have seen the devil. But, you know, this is Smith Wigglesworth. And, you know, when you're walking at that point, place of, of the Lord, the devil will take a personal interest in your life. Right. He's not going to send a minion to go deal with you. Oftentimes he'll come and deal with you himself. He dealt with Jesus himself, didn't he? Right. He didn't send a minion like, later on. He did. But. But he dealt with Jesus. And, of course, Smith is raising people uh, from the dead like crazy. Uh, and uh, that would break the uh, uh, cause the devil to break a little nervous. Right. So anyway, the devil shows up in his room and, and Smith wakes up, sees him. He goes, oh, it's just you. And he rolls over and goes back to sleep. Doesn't rebuke him. Doesn't cast him out. You know, doesn't do anything about that. Uh, and um, uh, but there was a story with with uh, Lester. The, of course, Lester traveled all over the world and a lot of places that he would travel. There was a lot of dem, uh, demonic activity because uh, the people would yield to the devils, right? A lot of voodoo, a lot of mysticism, a lot of uh, witch doctors, a lot of witchcraft, that type of thing. And so you get in those areas and there's, there's a, str- uh, a stronghold of demonic presence there. You know, you don't see that as much in the United States, you know, other than, you know, the carnality of, of our flesh, right? The lasciviousness of sin. That's a stronghold in our in our society, right? Well, we don't want any constraints. We want to sleep with whatever we want to sleep and be called whatever we want to, right? Yeah, you're all called the cupcakes is what they're called, right? But uh, <laughs> but um, you know we want to redefine gender, right? It just I mean our stronghold of stupidity, right? I mean it's so so dumb, right? It's like I mean, it's like what in the world, right? Um, and, and we're not mad at anybody. I just feel sorry for you. You wake up one day think you're a different gender, you know? I mean that. I, I, you know, I'm not mad. I'm just, you know, uh, just, well, I'm, I mean, I'm not mad, but I do feel sorry for them, you know. Um, uh, and so, uh, but, uh, but uh, Lester would travel, and one time uh, he woke up, and, and the devil had uh, uh, been moving the furniture in his room. And, you know, the devil can do some things like that, manifest himself in, in the natural realm and, and move his furniture in the room. Uh, and, and Lester, you know, Lester was really bold. Uh, and he just commanded that in this case, he commanded that now you leave this room uh, and uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, and so uh, as he started saying it, he said, well, he said, hang on. He said, you put that furniture back first and then you leave. You know, this is my room, you know, and that, and that was his attitude. This is my room. You're not going to mess up my stuff and then leave. You're going to straighten it up and then you're going to leave. You're still going to leave, but, you know. Well, see, that's just the boldness of, of the Spirit of God that lives on the inside. You know, now, see, the, the disciples, they didn't have that boldness because they didn't have the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, and, uh, and so there's great stories like that, great men of, uh, of old uh, that have told these stories that uh, encourage me because uh, I like to see how people deal with the devil, right? Uh, and, um, you know, there's, there are strong devils in the world, strong in a sense that, uh, that they have overtaken the lives of men and women, right? They're not strong compared to the Lord, but uh, strong compared to the lives of men and women oftentimes. And so, so Jesus was kind to him and said, be, uh, be not afraid. 
And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if thou will, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Uh, what what uh, what you reckon that word save is there? It's sozo, right? The Greek word sozo, right? So that's one of the definitions of sozo, which is not salvation or healing, right? This one is for deliverance. And so he didn't need any salvation. I mean, as far as being born again, he didn't need uh, any healing. Right? This was a deliverance issue, right? He delivered him from this destruction of dying, of drowning, you know. Now, you know, in the context of this, you got to know that this would been, must have been a really bad kind of storm situation because what was Peter's profession before being an apostle? He's a fisherman. You reckon he knew how to swim? Well, yeah, you know, of course he knew how to swim. He was a fisherman, right? So he knew how to swim. So uh, if, if he is concerned that, that he's going to die, um, uh, he would begin to sink, then it must have been a, a strong enough storm and a big enough circumstance that he wasn't in his own strength able to overcome. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so he said, Lord, save me. And, and, and I like those next two words. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand. You know, uh, when we are sincere, even if we're wrong, when we're sincere, oftentimes the Lord will move quickly on our behalf. Amen. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, uh, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? And when they were come unto the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Uh, like it took a lot of revelation at that point in time, right? Uh, and so... So the, in the context uh, of uh, the, the healing of God, she, she was using this as an example of Peter. And so let's turn over to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And she was saying that, you know, we all have a race to run. Uh, and, you know, that makes me think of that same uh, discussion of uh, the minister that was in, um, in Hickson uh, not long ago. And I think I mentioned this maybe on a Sunday morning, but, but she was talking about how... Um, The world that we live in seems to be just insane, right? I mean, on fire insane, right? Just, you know, it used to be things were insane where people would just, you know, like, like live together or, you know, maybe cheat on their taxes or eat too many cookies or, you know, just, you know, we thought those were horrible things or smoke, you know, something horrible like smoking or, you know, we thought those were just, and, and now it's just insanity, right? I mean, what's the most insane thing you can do? Well, that's where we're, we're going to, and it's not just, you know, that's always been the way, that's always been humanity, right? As long as, you remember when, when God removed uh, uh, Noah, I mean, out of the earth and then, and then flooded the earth, he said that they, all they do is think about uh, evil continuously in their heart, right? So it's always been that way. It's not, it's not like there's not been people dreaming this up, but where we're at right now, the, the, the distinction where we're living at now is all the leadership is doing this too, right? Uh, all the elected officials, uh, you know, if, it, if it's crazy, there's going to be some elected official goes, we should do that. And we're like, no, we should not do that, right? That's what's, that's what's wrong today, right, is, is, you know, there's always going to be fringe, crazy people on the outside of society, on the edge of society doing things that nobody else would do. Uh, but now we're celebrated, right? It's like, what's the craziest, most insane, most sinful, most perverted thing we can do? Let's do that. Uh, and, and that's why it's so crazy right now. And, and so, uh, and it's just getting worse, right? Uh, and so sometimes the church... We, we almost wilt under the weight of that sin, right? We're like, oh, what can we do? You know, it's just, uh, and, and she was encouraged, and I thought it was a great encouragement. She said, 
the Lord knew that this time that we live in right now would be this insane. He said that's why he put us here. Because he knew we could handle it. He knew we, could, we would have the goods to overcome the sin, overcome all of this evil. Uh, and we do. We have the goods. You know, we should never wilt under the power of sin. Uh, I mean, I don't wilt at it, but I do like, what in the world? You know, I mean, it, it, I am amazed like, wow, I would have in a thousand years, I would never have thought about that particular perversion, right? But it's all perversion. I mean, so, you know, it's okay with, with kids, okay, you know, for adults to be with kids, you know. And, I mean, even this whole thing with the abortion, you know, now, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, um, the, the, I guess it was the Senate tried to pass a law because, you know, they're going to fix and overturn Roe v. Wade, right? And so, and finally get rid of that curse that's on America about uh, 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 legalizing abortion. But, uh so the Senate tried to, because it's not a federal law about abortion. It's just the, the, a federal mandate from the Supreme Court. So the Senate tried to pass it. But their law was no limit to abortion, up to nine months. You know, you do to, tomorrow afternoon, well, I've got time. I can go kill a baby right now. That's insanity, right? I mean, any, I mean it doesn't matter if you're pro-choice or pro-abortion. Pro, you know, pro, it doesn't matter what your stance is. That's insane, right? That, that, uh, and there's even people who believe that you know, within a certain period after the child is born, right? What they call the fourth trimester, right? Which is kind of an oxymoron, right? Because there's only three trimesters. That's the whole point of being tried, right? They say up to the fourth trimester. So in other words, up to three months after the baby is born, if you don't like it, just let it die. You know, stuff a pillow on its head or, you know, uh, uh, and... Uh, was it the house? That, uh, it failed. It didn't pass. Uh, but even they, somebody wrote that as, as an option. You know, this is what we should do. And, you know, normal people like you're insane. I mean, you're beyond insane. You're you're completely consumed with evil. Right. I mean, what, who thinks, about, you know, who thinks that that's OK? Right. Normal people think that's not even Christians. Normal human beings think, you know, I mean, what if a kitten showed up at your doorstep? And I was thinking about this. The other, what's it, you know, a baby kitten that, that can't fend for itself. You know, every every normal person will go, yeah, we should care for that. Most people wouldn't go, you know, what we should do. We should run over it with a car. But that's what they think about babies, right? Let's, let's shoot it and pull off its legs off and cut its tail. I mean, that's what they do. I know we're, we're getting a little far afield there, but, but, um, uh, but it, is, it is insanity right now, right? I mean, it's just, uh, and so uh, we ought not do those things. And, you know, the Lord is going to grant us the mercy to overturn Roe v. Wade. And all it means is, the individual states will then get to write their own laws, right? So you'll have states like Tennessee, which will protect the life of the unborn, and you'll have crazy states, probably like California and New York, that will that will promote and and celebrate the murdering of child children all the way up until birth, you know. And somehow they'll get away with that, you know. And um, we'll have to have a constitutional amendment somehow to protect what it should be an obvious thing to not allow unborn babies to be murdered, right? But um, anyway. It, I know there's a lot of stuff in there, and, and you know, I, I try to get out of, uh, not to get involved in politics, but that's not really a political question. It, it's, a, it's a moral question, right? Uh, and so uh, whether or not taxes should be 8% or 9%, you know, that's a political question, right? Uh, and so, uh, but she, what, what she was talking about, the lady in Hickson, was the time that we live in is, is insane. But the Lord put us here. He didn't put other people here. He put us here. If he put us here, we are well able. Amen. We're Joshua's. We're the Caleb's. We are well able to overcome. Amen. We should never feel like I can't overcome. We can always overcome. Amen. Uh, and so that's our race. 
And so this was part of Peter's race. And so, so here in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, um, it starts out in verse 24 and says, Know ye not that, ye, that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain or that you may win. You know, I like that, that we should run uh, in order to win. Amen. And in, in my mind, in every circumstance, uh, I always intend to win. That's and no matter what I no matter what no matter what circumstance I get into, my expectation is I win. And and uh, what did Paul say? We should all run that we may win. Amen. We win against the devil in every circumstance and every situation. We never we never give it up. We never say, well, you know, that's just my lot in life to bear. You know, uh, nothing foolish like that. We just uh, whatever the circumstance, we win. Amen. We all run. Uh, he said, so run. In other words, how you run, you should run with the intent that you always win. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. So he's, he's really kind of using the analogy of the games, you know, that the Romans would, would do back at, at that time. And they would have the big Colosseum, right? They had the big Colosseum. They'd do different games and, and they would win. And he said, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible crown. He said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, uh, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Uh, you know, verse 26 tells us that we as Christians should not be running around the earth just not knowing what we should be doing. Well, what do we do? What do we do? You know, well, let's try this. Let's try that. Uh, he's, there shouldn't be any uncertainty in our lives about what the fight is, whether or not we win, uh, who the enemy is. You know, just, just knowing who the enemy is half the time is, is helpful. But you get in the church, you get 100 people in, in the church as a whole, not just, you know, not in our church, but as a church as a whole. And you say, who's the cause of the sickness and disease? You'll get God, you'll get the devil, you'll get, you know, genetics, you'll get this and this. And you'll get 20, you know, you get 20 different, uh, uh, 20 different uh, opinions about what, what the thing is. And that's uncertainty. But it's not uncertainty. All sickness comes from who? The devil, right? Uh, who is the origin of all sickness? The devil is, is God. Uh, how, what percentage of sickness is God the author of? Zero, Zero right? Now, that, to me, that's like the most obvious statement. But uh, you can even get in the Pentecostal churches, you know, and they'll say, well, you know, it's, you win some, you lose some, you know, 50-50, maybe, maybe God allowed it to happen. Maybe God didn't allow it to happen. Uh, and, and see, that's uncertainty. To me, there's no uncertainty in my, in my heart at all. All sicknesses of the devil. Every ache, every pain, every sniffle, every disease, every sickness, every cancer, every blood disease, everything uh, that is not uh, conducive to proper health uh, is from the devil. Amen. Now, can we can we do things on our own that that uh, like smoke? You know, I mean, sm smoking is one of the, you know, I don't care if you none of my business if you smoke. But it's like this is one of the most obvious things not to do. Right. You're, you're taking in hot burning ash into your lungs. And you think that's a good thing, right? Uh, hot burning ash into your lungs. Uh, I know there's things we can do that, may, that might be better for us. Or you know, I understand that. But some things are kind of obvious, right? Some things are not uncertain. Amen. Uh, can you eat a cookie and be okay? You can eat a cookie and be okay. Yeah. If you eat a thousand cookies a day, you know, you're probably not going to be good, right? But, you know, anything good. If you ate uh, people, uh, you know, there have been people who die from drinking too much water. You know, you can actually die from drinking too much water, right? Because it dilutes your blood and, and that can't carry oxygen. And I mean, you can actually drown by drinking too much water. And, 
Uh, so it's not that, you know, even a perfectly good thing, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing bad at all in water. But if you consume too much of it, it can, it can harm you, amen? So, uh, uh, so but, but the church oftentimes runs with a lot of uncertainty. We go through this life and we don't know who the source of this evil is. And if we don't know who the source of this evil is, then uh, we will do nothing about it. If we think it possibly could come from the Lord, we will not be found to be in rebellion. We will allow it to continue. Uh, but these things should not be hard, right? This, this is, uh, there, should be never a, there shouldn't be a single Christian who is for killing a baby, right? I mean, that should, there should be no uncertainty in that. And yet there is uncertainty in that, even in a church sometimes, right? I'm not just talking about the world. I'm talking about in the church, you know, people have differing opinions of that. And that should not be an uncertain opinion. That should be an easy opinion, right, uh, that we overcome that. Uh, but uh, he said, I run not as uncertainly. So uh, the nice thing about it is if Paul ran without any uncertainty, then, then how can we run? Same way. We should know. Amen. Uh, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. Uh, you know, uh, if you're if you're just swinging and missing, who are you who are you uh, fighting against? Nobody. You're just there's nothing there. Right. You're, you're swinging and missing and you're being uh, uh, ineffective and in accomplishing any goal because you're swinging at the air. Right. So so if there if there's an opponent opponent nearby and all you do is swing and miss, swing and miss. Uh, how is the opponent affected? He's not affected at all. Right. So so he says, I, uh, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. But then he says, uh, what, what does he do? He said, but I keep under my body. So now this, this becomes uh, part of, of, uh, of how we run our race, right? Uh, he said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. We'll bring it into subjection to what? To who? Well, first and foremost, to your spirit, right? You bring your body under subjection to your spirit, right? And, and indirectly, then, uh, if, it's, if it's under your spirit, then it's under the authority of the Spirit of God and under the authority of the Word of God. Uh, lest by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So, so the point is, um, uh, uh, it's not so much about verse 27, but in the whole context of that is that we have a race to run and that we should run that we would win. Amen. Uh, and and it's not you know the, the thing that's that's uh, uh, um, about that we 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 run uh, and we fight so that we win that sounds like one of these uh, uh, corporate you know slogans right we fight to win we fight to win right and 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 it sounds like kind of a new age kind of a pop culture you know, uh, things that, uh, that you see on those posters, right? You see the posters, you know, and the, you know, courage or whatever, the, the uh, you know, affirmation, you know, whatever, you know, all these corporate posters you see. Well, all those things are, for the most part, biblical principles. They just don't want to give any credit to the Lord, right? Uh, we fight to win. Uh, I mean, that sounds like, a, you know, an, an army slogan, right? Or a Marine slogan. We fight to win, right? Uh, and, and it's not. It, it's a biblical slogan, right? We should have... A, a winner's mentality that in every circumstance you win, right? Uh, and there are a lot of times where people think, you know, I'm going to beat you. There's no way. I will live forever if I have to, to beat you, right? Uh, and so uh, if that's necessary, right? Uh, and can the Lord make an exception? He can make an exception, right? You know, uh, and then we'll have to have this negotiation with him. But, uh, uh, but the whole point of it is um, uh, what's, what's our attitude? In every circumstance, what's our attitude? I will never lose. And, and, you know, the thing about that is not that it's, it's not that you 
expect to never make a misstep. It's never. It's not that you maybe have a bad day or, you know, uh, those things happen, right? In every in every race, you know, you watch if you watch sports, you know, there's a setback, right? Somebody fumbles a ball or somebody misses, you know, a play or, you know, things happen. But the team, they're always moving forward with the goal to win. Yeah. Uh, and the good teams, the great teams, they don't quit fighting until the last buzzer rings, right? And, and I have seen teams uh, that quit halfway through the game. You know, they're down by whatever, and they just quit. Well, those are losers. They'll never be a winning. They'll never be winners at all, right? Uh, because under adversity, they, they, they give it up. Uh, and a lot of times in the church, you know, they just quit. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you have a bad day or whatever. Your attitude has to be, yeah, maybe I had a bad day, but I'm still going to I'm still going to win. That has to be our that's our race. Our race is to be winners. Amen. Because he said and that what he said uh, that we run so that we that, that we may win. Right. Uh, when, if, if you're going to be in this race, uh, whatever the and in general, your race is whatever the Lord's given to you. Right. Uh, and your race is your race. It's not my race. It's your lane. Not my lane, right? So whatever your lane is, that needs to be the winning lane. Amen? And now your comp- competition is not me right. because we're all on the same team, right? Yeah. But the competition is the world and the, and the carnal church and you know, all of that stuff. Uh, our, our goal is to always win. Amen? Right. And that should, be, uh, that should be our mentality. Amen? That should be our thought life, that we always win. Uh, and, and I do. And, that, and that's, uh, if you'll have that attitude... One of the things that that attitude will build in you is an attitude of long suffering, especially when dealing with other people. Right. You ever dealt with other people and you just want to give up on them. But see, if you always if your attitude is the win, then that fruit of the spirit called long suffering will will build up in you. And you'd be like, it doesn't matter if it takes me a year, 10 years, 50 years. I will win. You will. You will uh, be the person that the Lord wants you to be because I'm I'm alive and I breathe air. And as long as I'm alive and breathe air, I will pray for you. And you will change and you will you will yield. You can yield today. If you're smart, you would yield today. If you're not so smart, you will yield after you go spend six years in the world and whatever and and then come back and yield. Well, that's fine. But you you're six years behind now. Right. And so uh, so the way I see it, especially if I'm dealing with other people, I Lord, I'm going to win until they uh, until they breathe their last breath. Right. Not me until they breathe their last breath. Uh, And uh, as long as they're alive then then I'm going to win. Amen. Uh, and uh, and that will uh, help uh, build long suffering in you. So let's go back to Matthew 14. So, you know, let's just look at the at the circumstance here. Because uh, Peter did an amazing thing, right? Uh, he walked on water. Uh, and. Uh, and I, I like what she said, the way she said it, she said, Peter succeeded in walking on the water. But Peter also failed in walking on the water, right? So he had success and failure in the same event. And a lot of times people, you know, I can't believe, you know, did other things. Hey, he walked on water. Uh, how many steps more of walking on water did Peter uh, do than we have ever done? If he did one, that's one more than any of us have ever done, right? So don't be too hard on Peter, right? Well, I can't believe, you know, if that was me, don't ever say something stupid like that. If I was me, I'd be super spiritual, you know, and walk all the way to Jesus, you know. In fact, I'd carry the whole boat, you know, I'd, I'd be the man, right? Uh, be careful about being prideful about your, your wherever you are in faith. Uh, but so, uh, so in this course, you know, it was it was the Lord's doing. The Lord set this up. The Lord did this whole thing. Really, 
to be a blessing to Peter and help him and, and give him an opportunity to, to walk in faith. Uh, and the Lord does that a lot of times. Uh, what value is there to Peter's salvation that he walked on water? Nothing in particular, right? There was no particular value. I mean, he, he didn't get saved by walking on water. You know, there's, no, there's nothing. But it was training, right? The Lord oftentimes will train us and teach us things and, and, and put us in circumstances. Not to sin. There's no sin here, but opportunities to walk in faith. Uh, and so uh, he's not tempting Peter. He's giving Peter an opportunity to walk in faith. And Peter did, didn't he, walk in faith? But what was against Peter? What was the circumstances? And, and she made a list of these things, you know, right? Uh, it was it was darkness of a the night. There was a tempest that was violent. Uh, 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 she said the frailty of the ship, but I don't know what what, what that has to do with much. But uh, uh, she said it uh, she said it's between three and six a.m. and it may be. Um, but the hour it was late, right? I mean, most of the time, at three o'clock, where are you? Sleep. You're asleep in bed, right? So having to wake up and walk on water, you know that. Uh, why can't we do this at nine a.m. when we're all awake, right? Uh, and of course. Uh, Jesus wasn't there until he until he showed up. Right. Um, and so. Uh, but uh, Jesus uh, did speak the word. And uh, when he said, it is, I be not afraid. And so the, the fear left Peter. Right. So he started out fearful. And then Jesus spoke and then he was not fearful. And then he moved by faith. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, uh, so that uh, that part was good, right? That he was in fear. So that that should help us just because you're in fear doesn't mean you're a complete total failure. That fear can leave and then you can do something amazing. Amen. So, you know, the devil, the thing that annoys me is when I see the devil kind of get one over on somebody, maybe get them in fear or whatever it is. And then we start heaping upon that of um, well not only am i afraid but that makes me a failure and i'm no count god can never use me and uh, and then we double up on it right and so we double up on the on not just the fear but we double up on it well then i must be a terrible person and uh, instead of well i'm just going to get rid of the fear and then move on you know what peter did he got rid of the fear and he moved on didn't he amen so we can do that uh, was there any was there any um rebuke about jesus that they were in fear to begin with no, no rebuke about Jesus, about the uh, about the, the fact that they were afraid to begin with. Right. Uh, and so uh, but in verse uh, 28, Peter answered and said, him, said, Lord, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water. So Peter didn't just uh, as soon as he saw Jesus walking in water, he didn't just jump immediately and uh, start walking in water, did he? And so he really he really did a good thing here by uh, what to do. He waited on Jesus to speak. Right. Because is there is there any promise? And of course, you know, these are really Old Testament people. Right. We haven't had the New Testament. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. Uh, but uh, was there any Old Testament water that thou shalt walk on water? No. So was there any word that Peter could use that he could apply faith to that would allow him to walk on water? Well, there, there's no there's no word. So uh, and, and that really, really should help us because, you know, a lot of times we build up. Uh, certain sayings or th certain things that we do in the church. Uh, and there's no foundation for, for the word of God, right? Sometimes people will lay their Bible on people, right, to, to get healed. Um, or they'll put a cross on. You ever seen people put a cross on somebody, put a crucifix on somebody, you know, uh, uh, to get them healed or get them delivered. Uh, or they'll sprinkle holy water on them, right, uh, to, to, uh, to get healed. Uh, but the, the problem that I have is what's the foundation for that, for that that uh, action 
what word of God are they, are they basing their faith upon that says, if I do this, then they'll get healed, right? So do we have the word of God for, for laying hands on the sick? He literally said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, right? I know sometimes we use prayer cloths. We have uh, a Bible that uh, the prayer cloths will work. Well, we do, right? Acts chapter 19. Uh, so uh, uh, what about anointing with oil? We do, right? James chapter 5 says, anoint them with oil and the Lord will, will heal the sick. So we have a foundation for faith in those things. And so that's why we do those things, because the word of God says we can do those things. So uh, is there any promise, for example, that says that we can uh, that we can raise the dead? There's no biblical promise for that. So the only way that we could raise the dead is if the Lord specifically told us to raise the dead. But even if he told me to raise the dead, does that mean that you can raise the dead? No, because you don't have a promise. I have a word. I have a rhema word for me that I can go raise the dead in this moment. But you don't have a rhema word. So you can't use my rhema word for you. That's mine, right? Get your own rhema word, right? Get your own word of revelation. So, uh, so sometimes we get confused in the church that, well, they did it so I can do it. Well, you know, if the Lord does something unusual, remember, and also in Acts chapter 19, Paul said that, uh, the Lord says about Paul that how God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So these were miracles that were above and beyond. I mean, miracles are pretty above and beyond already, right? These are above and beyond the above and beyond. So we don't know what they were. He didn't, they didn't go through a list of those, but they had to have been really unusual. So if you happen to see Paul do a, a, um, uh, a special miracle, could, then you, could you then do a special miracle? Well, no, because you don't have any biblical faith for that. There's nothing, no foundation for faith in that. Uh, and, and if we could get to that point, then that'll help us to, um, uh, it'll help us to get settled down in our faith. Because a lot of times we end up being uh, echoes, right? Uh, mirror images of somebody else, not because of what they did was, was by faith, but because they did it, so we want to do it. Uh, and if you don't have word for it, then... Now, and the word could be one of two ways, either the word of God, which then applies to all Christians. Right. Uh, you know, there are some special cases where it applies to certain particular people. But for the most part, the word of God applied to everybody or the spirit of God can speak to you specifically. And then you can still do it. Right. And this is a case where there's no promise to walk on water. But a rhema word came from heaven uh, through the Lord Jesus to walk on water when Jesus had come. So then uh, now Peter has something to base his faith upon. The word of uh, Jesus spoke and I can now walk on water because Jesus had to come. Just like at the beginning of the story, when Jesus said, you're going to the other side, then they should have had faith to do that. Right. And there's not so much about their lack of faith in going to the other side like there was in Mark chapter four. But now a, a word from heaven has been spoken. It's not a general principle. It's not a general faith. Jesus told, told Peter to come. But so Peter can walk on water. Uh, now, the other disciple could says, hey, can we come too, Lord? And Lord says, yeah, y'all boys, come, you know, y'all come. Everyone come if you want to. Uh, but Peter had the word of the Lord, right? So he could he could move out. Uh, and so uh, uh, it, one of the things that she quoted there was uh, George Mueller said, I must have the word before I move. Uh, and that's really helpful that uh, even uh, re regardless of, of whether you're working with healing or sickness or disease, in all of those ways, it's always helpful to go back to the word of God, find out what the word of God says, especially if it's something that maybe you've had difficulty in overcoming. Go back and before you before you ever use the name of Jesus again, before you ever lay hands on yourself again or before you even go to another prayer line again. Just go back to the word of God and just meditate in the word. Right. Read the word of God as it relates to healing, because we have a, a great um, 
a great legacy of the word of God as it relates to healing. But still, it has to be real to you. Amen. It has to be a, even though it's from the word of God, it still has to be real to you and a rainbow word to you. So uh, George Mueller said that that, uh, that he must have the word of God before he moves. And so Peter got uh, uh, Peter got the word of God, didn't he? Right. He didn't have any promise before that. But once Jesus spoke, then he had a promise. Right. Uh, and then she said, if Peter had walked one foot, he could have walked 10 miles as well. Right. I mean, we don't really know how far he walked, but however far he walked, you know, wasn't up to Jesus yet. Uh, and so. Uh, uh, at that point, somewhere along the way, then, of course, uh, he failed. Right. But uh, once he started walking on water, I mean, once it happened, you could have just gone all the way. Right. There's no reason why he couldn't have gone all the way. Uh, but uh, we know he didn't, right? So he began to sink and cried out, and the Lord saved him. Uh, and she made a good point there that, that uh, he had no business to see the wind uh, because uh, who was he looking at at the beginning? Jesus, right? And, and, uh, but it says um, in verse 29, when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So how did he know where Jesus was? He was looking at him, right? I mean, that's that's how you know where Je- that that you know that's kind of a Captain Obvious statement, right? But uh, I mean, if Jesus was over there, Peter wouldn't have been going this way, right? No. Why would Peter be going this way? Because that's where he was. And how did he know that he was over there? He could see him, right? He was looking at him, and so because they saw him to begin with, but they, they didn't know who he was immediately. Uh, so so Peter's looking at Jesus, but then it says, of course, in verse thirty, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink and cried and saying, "Lord, save me." I just like the way that she said that, that he had no business to see the wind uh, for he should have been looking at only uh, at one only the Lord Jesus. He had no business to see the wind. And, and you know, in the area of healing, you know, th- this is th- uh, not to make it a touchy subject, but it can be a little touchy because there's there's a balance you've got to find there that, uh, you know, for some people, you can't give them more information because if you give them more information, they get afraid. Right. Um, and, and, you know, for me, you know, most of the time uh, getting information, it's just information. It's not good news, not bad news. People come. I've got good news and bad news. Right. It's neither good news or bad news. It's just news. Right. It's just information. Amen. Uh, and when, when you when you allow it to affect you, then it becomes good news or bad news. Right. Uh, and, and so. So you've got to find your own path in that. Right. You've got to find out what what works for you. Uh, you know, some people, they just can't handle they can't handle the news, right? Yeah. Now, you know, the, the balance in that thing is, for me personally, I don't have to have the news about something. If I get some new ache or pain, uh, I don't have to know what that is necessarily. It doesn't bother me to know. It doesn't bother me not to know. Uh, it doesn't, to me, it's just irrelevant, right? Sometimes if, if I'm not having success over that, you know, I told you that um, uh, one time uh, several years ago that when I, st- when I moved my right arm, I couldn't lift it up, right? I couldn't lift it up, you know, probably about, you know, about there without excruciating pain. And that went on for a few months. And then then the same thing happened to this arm, you know, and I thought maybe it was the way I sat on a couch or something, you know, because I'm a professional couch sitter. Right. And and so I thought maybe it's the way I'm sitting or something. And uh, but then I don't sit on my left, uh, my left hand. I sit on the right hand side of the couch. That's my spot. Nobody's allowed to have that spot. Right. If you're there, you got to get up. That's my spot. Right. If the dog's up there, I just I just look at the dog and go, no. And he'll just get up, right? I don't have to say anything. He just, I, I just, it's Clark. And he goes, yeah, I know. He'll just go. He'll just get up. Because he knows, you know, that, uh, that's his spot until I show up. 
everybody else comes in the room, no problem. You know, he's not moving on. If I come in there, he look at me and go, okay, I'll move. And he'll get up. And so, so, uh, but I didn't know what it was, you know, because I don't generally have uh, aches and pains and things. And so uh, it, this went on for many months. And then I went to the doctor for a normal checkup. And he said, you have any questions? I said, yeah, you know, this is happening here. What do you reckon that might be? He said, well, uh, he asked me some questions. Uh, and finally he said, well, that's arthritis. And then, of course, I said, well, oh, well, if it's just arthritis, then okay. And he said, oh, don't say it's just arthritis because it's a, a serious disease. And it is a serious disease, right? But for me, my heart was, it's just arthritis because it's all just whatever it is, right? It doesn't matter if it's whatever it is. It's just that because I have the name of Jesus over that. So now I've got a name, right? I've got a name. It's no, it's no, it's no more, uh, it doesn't, didn't affect me either way, right? Uh, and so, so uh, in that, um, uh, in, all, in all these things where it says that he had no business uh, seeing the wind. So uh, for you, you've got to decide is knowing this information going to take your eyes off of Jesus and onto that thing? Right? That's what you've got to decide. I can't decide that for you. For me, it doesn't cause me to lose focus of Jesus. It's just information. For some people, it would, right? So I don't know, and so I can't answer this question for you. What should you do? Because I don't know you. I don't know, I don't know, what, I don't know how you're going to react to that, right? Because I, I'm not saying it's even a good thing to not know because... If, if you're just not knowing because you're afraid, see, you're still wrong. Yeah. Some people, I don't want to know. Well, then you're in fear. Yeah. So you're still, you're still sinking, right? If you don't want to know because of fear, you're still sinking. Amen? Yeah. So if you don't want to know because it doesn't matter, like if, if, if Peter was looking at Jesus, what would have mattered how, how big the waves were? Wouldn't have mattered, right? He wouldn't have cared. He's looking at Jesus, right? What if the winds got twice as big or the waves got twice as big? Peter's like, I'm looking at you. I'm going to head that way, right? No big deal. So for Peter, if he had stayed looking at Jesus, he, he'd have been doing the right thing, right? So, so I can't tell you whether or not you should get the information. Amen. And so be careful because if you're avoiding the information because you're afraid, well, I don't want to know. What if it's something bad? It doesn't matter whether it's bad or good. It, that, it is what it is, right? If, if that thing is there, it doesn't matter, right? So, so you've got to decide for yourself. Now, sometimes uh, I, I think it's perfectly fine not to know. All right, now, look, you do what you've you got to do in your part because don't say, well, the pastor said don't, don't go to the doctor because then I'll get sued, right, for giving medical <laughs> advice, right? I'm not giving you any medical advice. I'm telling you that for Peter, if he had stayed looking at Jesus, it was unnecessary for him to see how big the waves were, right? But, but if Peter was doing this, then could he see Jesus? If he was sticking his head in the sand, he wouldn't have seen Jesus and he still would have sunk. Right. So so it's not in the knowing. It's not in the not knowing. It's in who are you looking at. Right. Uh, and do you really believe in the Lord Jesus? Because uh, I, like I said, sometimes I think it's perfectly fine and, and acceptable and, and, and healthy to not know. But if you're not trying to not know because of your fear, you've already lost the battle. You're right. You're already not looking at the right thing anyway. So so. Uh, that's a lot of discussion because in that, that area, I have seen a lot of people say, well, I don't want to know because I'm afraid. Mm. Well, they're not Peter, right? They, they're sinking right now because they are afraid. They're, they're Job, right? That which I feared the most has come upon me. I'm afraid that that's a bad thing. Well, it could be nothing, right? So, and sometimes it is helpful to go find out what it is because it could just be nothing. Yeah, it could be, well, you just, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not even a thing, right? Uh, and, and so, 
I can't tell you what the path is for you, right? Uh, and, I, and I wouldn't tell you the path for you. You've got to find that path out for you. You've got to ask yourself, Lord, why do I not want to know? Or Lord, why do I want to know? Right? I mean, you've got to ask yourself, Lord, what, what, what's it going to do if I find this information out to me? Uh, because sometimes our faith is only in the doctor. Well, I've got to find out what the doctor said, you know. And a lot of times we will put the, the word of the doctor over the word of the Lord. Uh, and, and so uh, there's no right and wrong answer. I can't tell you that it's right to, to find out. I can't tell you it's right to not find out. But I can tell you that uh, the, the example that we have here is what are you looking at? Who are you looking at? And if you're looking at Jesus, whether you know or you don't know, because Peter knew that it was there, right? Uh, but then he also took his focus off of Jesus, started going, oh, what do I do now? What do I do now? Right? Because the thing was, the waves were there before he started. He had the information that there was a storm. He knew there was a storm there. It, he was in the middle of a storm. Uh, and, and so in this case, he, uh, he was doing right in, in his situation by ignoring the storm and focusing only on Jesus. But then he lost focus. Right. So that's this particular example. But you, you've got to find out uh, in your own particular example. Right. Uh, about what to do. Amen. Uh, and so. Um, uh, she, she does tell a story about about her own personal experience that uh, she had gotten sick. Uh, and uh, she was she was getting progressively worse uh, and the Lord spoke to her and he said walk on the water uh, you've been looking for improvements in symptoms a change in the natural order of things he said stop it uh, and again if we're looking for looking at our symptoms if we're looking at the waves and the wind and the storm and and checking the barometric pressure and checking the you know rainfall gauge and checking all of those things to see if there's a change and then we're happy if there's a change. Well, then our faith is in the natural realm, right? Uh, and so, so uh, he told her that you have been looking for improvements in symptoms. In other words, uh, you know, a lot of times when the Lord speaks to us, we understand what he means, right? For her, uh, that she was looking for improvements in her symptoms to judge whether or not she was healed. Well, she was already healed before the symptoms ever showed up, right? Uh, and so, uh, so are you willing to judge the Lord and his word based upon what you can measure in the natural realm. And that's what she what what she had been doing. Right. She was looking at her natural circumstances and judging the truth of the word by what she could observe in the natural realm. And that's out of order. Right. That's that's not uh, that's not godly. Uh, but people do it all the time. Right. Well, I can't say I'm healed because I feel bad. Well, then you're judging the Lord that he's not faithful to his word based on what you feel. Uh, and so. You have been looking for improvement in symptoms of change in the natural order of things. Stop it. That uh, that isn't it at all. My word is absolutely true. My healing is supernatural. It doesn't matter how you feel. Step out. And she said, I did. Uh, and so now this word is for her. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean you got to quit taking your medication. That doesn't mean you got to quit going to the doctor. It doesn't really mean anything about anything. If, if that's your path, that's your race. That you don't go to the doctor, fine, right? If if it's your path and race to go to the doctor, no problem, right? So it's it's there's no laws here at all. So be careful about being under condemnation. See, if you're ever under condemnation at all about not knowing or knowing or going to the doctor or not going to the doctor, that's out of order. Mm -hmm. That's not the Lord. The Lord's not putting you under condemnation ever, right? Because yeah. sometimes He'll tell you go to the doctor. Sometimes He'll tell you don't go to the doctor, right? Well, they can't help you anyway, right? So if it's terminal, you know, why do you go to the doctor? Uh, and so. You know, uh, there was somebody I knew years ago when Dr. Dufresne came to town and, and uh, ministered our church. 
uh, we, we knew this one fellow that was terminal. He had some kind of terminal sickness. So why don't you come to this service? You know, uh, Dr. Dufresne operates in the gifts of the Spirit and has had many uh, healings in his, in his ministry. And they said, I'm not well enough to travel to the, to the meeting. It's like, but you're terminal. What's the end game here? You're not going to make it. So we're not going to, what if you die when you get here? Well, you're not any worse off, right? You know, not that I'm trying to kill people, but stuff like that doesn't make any sense to me, right? You're not going to live till next week or next month or next year. Well, then come. Well, I don't feel like coming. Well, well then die. I mean, what's the only, that's the only alternative, right? And I'm not trying to kill anybody, but just sometimes I wonder about people's logic, right? It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and so, and then it may be that they didn't have any faith in that that would actually work there, right? So anyway, so, so I, I, I like the analogy that's used here. I think there's a lot of good things in this analogy that we can take to ourselves. Uh, don't make a law. Don't feel bad. Whatever path the Lord has you, don't feel bad about it. And don't under, get condemnation about it. But always check your own heart. Why am I not doing this or why am I doing this? And if it's due to fear or whatever, in any case, you're always going to be wrong. Amen. Uh, and so just be careful about that. And when I say wrong, I mean wrong from the standpoint of faith. Amen. Uh, and so uh, you guys want to answer a few questions and we'll go. Well, there's only three in this chapter there. So um, uh, question number one says, uh, Peter did what? Peter did what in walking on water? He succeeded. And Peter also what in walking on water? Failed. He failed, right? You succeed and failed in the same event. That's that's pretty tough right there, right? Uh, and George Mueller said, I must have the word before what? Before I move, right? And that, that's a good word for all of us. Uh, and why did, Peter, why did Peter fail when walking on water? Took his eyes on Jesus, started looking at what? The wind, the wind and the waves, right? So, so that's, uh, uh, you know, that, that is a good, in application, that's a good story for all of us, especially in the area of sickness and disease, right? Uh, keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus. And, you know, you can keep your eyes on Jesus and go to the doctor, right? You can keep your eyes on Jesus and take your pill. Uh, it's not either or, amen? Sometimes in the history of the Pentecostal church, uh, we've stated that if you, if you take a pill, then your eyes aren't on Jesus. Uh, that, that's uh, uh, that's un- unfortunate because that's not true. Because sometimes the Lord will say, go get some sleep, go get some rest. That's what you need. Well, well I'm not doing that. I'm going to believe the word. Well, then, you know, then die, right? Because if Jesus said, go get some rest, that maybe all you need is just plain old rest, right? Um, how many sicknesses in, uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the history of mankind have been solved by just getting rest? There's nothing else, but the body's broken down. It's, it's, it's exhausted. It just needs rest. Uh, and, uh, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to believe God. Well, you're supposed to, you can get rest and believe God too, right? And so, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And um, I, I really like this particular chapter. I thought it was uh, helpful, and I thought the... Uh, applying that story there to the area of faith and healing um, uh, is helpful uh, and a lot of it because um, we don't have to make a law right regardless if we know or if we don't know if we keep our eyes on jesus we're going to be fine right that's the key is keeping our eyes on jesus knowing or not knowing is irrelevant right uh, either way works uh, uh, depending on your situation amen uh, and so uh, uh Jared, if you'll come ahead, we'll receive this afternoon's offering. And then um, looks like we'll be here next Sunday. And I'm hoping that two Sundays from now, we'll be back in our home turf over there, right? Um, and we, we, don't, we don't have to be squatters over here. And, you know, uh, they've been kind enough to let us use this. And we're, we're going to, uh, 
uh, pay them for the use of their building, uh, even though we own the building, right? But, but still, uh, we're going to help them out and be, and be good to them um, because uh, uh, they were a blessing to us. Amen. Uh, and so because the alternative was we had to meet in the children's church or even worse in the in the um, uh, dry cleaner building where there's no power or air conditioning. So um, but anyway, praise God. Is the Lord good? Who are we going to keep our eyes on? Keep our eyes on Jesus. All is well, right? All right. We'll be blessed and uh, you're dismissed.